Good morning, my friends. Good morning, and welcome back to this liminality of the wilderness as we continue in this season of, of Lent. Um, in ancient Greek culture, the wilderness was a place to avoid. So in the culture that Jesus was living, the wilderness was a place to be afraid of. The wilderness was a place to steer clear of, and this is why. As the god they named Pan, P-A-N, was thought to guard its gates. Think about this. Pan, the god Pan, was generally represented as a vigorous and lustful figure, having the horns, legs, and ears of a goat, but yet with a human body. And the god Pan haunted the high hills of the wilderness, as his highest concern was with flocks and herds, not with agriculture. Hence, he was known to make humans, just like cattle, stampede in panic or terror. You see, this is where we get our English word panic from, the god, the Greek god Pan. And so I think it's super interesting then that in the midst of a culture that was leaning into stories like this, that it's the spirit of Christ, we read a few weeks back, that carried Jesus into the wilderness. Didn't want him to avoid it, but carried Christ into the wilderness, the space that was dangerous and disordered, yet natural and free of distraction. And this allowed Jesus, we talked about this, right, the first Sunday of Lent, allowing him to wrestle with his true identity, right? He was baptized and God said, you are my beloved son and you I am well pleased, and then went into the wilderness to be tempted. Where those lies of the accuser said, are you sure your beloved do not need to do these things instead? And so that's what we're in the middle of this season. We're, we're creating sacred space. We're setting holy space, set apart space to allow the Spirit of Christ to carry us into our old wilderness spaces, okay? We're doing this through the practice of lament. This is the practice where we can confront our fears and our sorrows, yet we can do so without panic, because we know that Yahweh is the one who guards the gates of the wilderness, not the God Pan. And that gives us a reason to look forward and hope. Let's pray, and then we're going to dig in. Heavenly Father, Christ Jesus and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, with whatever is going on in our lives at this very moment, we know that you are loving us without condition, without restriction, without limit. And so God, we choose this morning to open our eyes and our ears, to open our hearts and our souls, to open our hands and our feet so that we, we might be able to take the liturgy of this service into the liturgy or the service of the week to come. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, so we're going to read another psalm this morning. Uh, this is a psalm that can help us re-enter into that space uh, that is lament, that space that can often be uncomfortable. And so if you're following along, uh, we're going to be in Psalms 13 this morning. Um, you'll notice the little heading there on Psalms 13 says, to the preeminent one, to the enduring one. You know, again, it's like, the one who's going to be leading these, uh, the, the chief musician, the one who's going to be leading them 
in these songs. And then it says it's a mizmoir, which is just basically a melody. And it was written by David. And so David writes, and we read in verse 1, Adana, right? We've talked about this before, right? This is that Hebrew word for as far as where, we can translate it as how long. So Adana, how long, Yahweh, will you forget me in perpetuity? As far as where will you conceal your face from me? As far as where shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart by day? As far as where shall my enemy be proud over me? Look and testify to me. Answer me, Yahweh, my Elohe, my God. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest those who keep me in the narrow and tight say, I am over you, lest my enemy cry out in joy because I'm shaken, I'm stirred, I'm tottering. But I have trusted in your kindness. My heart shall cry out in joy in your salvation. I will sing to Yahweh, for he has fully dealt or adequately dealt within within me. Short psalm, six verses. And David here seems to be struggling with reality through his own lament. I mean, this is really what lament is at its core, right? Reality as is, and yet what is desired. Reality that's hoped for. And so we've been talking about this from last week. Lament as the poetry of our heart. Lament as giving the words to our pain and allowing the entirety of ourselves to be vulnerable. Remember we talked about lament last week as being that unfiltered cry from deep within our nefesh. That was that word we used last week, from our soul, our inner being. That unfiltered prayer beneath our prayer. The one that helps us connect with the deeper sacred heart of Christ. And even David here, Adonah, as far as where, as in how long must I suffer? How long must you conceal your face? Sounds like a metaphor for not being able to notice the face of God, the divine presence that was surrounding him in his own lament. And so today I want to build on what we started last week. I want to shift, we're going to start to begin to shift. Last week we talked about what lament was. We're going to continue to talk now more about how we lament. As in, how can we start to actually lament using these psalms that we've been reading as a pattern. I think perhaps the best way to begin is by examining how beautifully our culture laments through various art forms. Think about it through poetry, writing, music, painting, dance, theater, movies, books. It, it, look at the different ways that, 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 that our culture so beautifully laments. Think about art that grips us deep at its core. Even that song we just sang, right? Stands the test of time. It's, it, it, it's not trivial. Now, there is a place for the trivial art. It's, it's fun. Maybe it's an escape perhaps once in a while. But if our art only expresses one 
emotion, right? If our, or, our only expression is happiness, let's say, that art isn't going to last very long. You see, trivial and unpersuasive art usually don't last long because it doesn't account for real life. It doesn't account for all of the different emotions that we have as, as humans. And so if we want our art and our faith to last like songs we just sang, then we got to build a framework for life. we got to build a framework for life that doesn't rely on the, on the, on the trivial. This is the first step in in trying to start incorporating some lament into, into our ethos. We need to build a framework that fights the addiction. We talked about this a bit last week, that the only right way to exist is through the lens of happiness, right? We talked about this. You're, we're not always going to be happy all the time. So where do we go when we're not happy? We got to build a framework that goes beyond, I think they're well-meaning but they can often be pithy phrases. Things like, it's going to be okay in the end. Or, everything happens for a reason. You know? Or maybe it must be part of God's bigger plan. Right? But in my experience as pastor, these don't typically seem to have much hope for people. Especially when people are suffering in the here and the now in the actual here and the now, and there's something going on that is causing a lament or a hurt or a wound. Take a look at the beautiful collection of poetry and song in the Psalms, okay? We find these, um, you know, there's 150 of them. And if you look through, it's pretty much even a third thanksgiving, a third praise, and a third lament. The Psalms show us that we can and should have a better balance in our life and in our art. Especially if we are going to be a more authentic expression of Christ's community here on earth. And think about it. If we don't push our laments out there, and if we don't do this within, you know, community, we're going to suffer quietly. We're going to suffer silently, and if we neglect to acknowledge the pain and the hurt we often hold within, these emotions are going to come out somewhere. They're going to eventually come out of us in some way or another, and usually it'll be in a destructive way. It'll be in a negative way and towards people we love or even destructive towards ourselves. And so these psalms give us a pattern for how we can do this together. A pattern for how we can be proactively engaging in these ways as a community or, or as families before God and in this container of, of, of faith instead of just being driven to individual despair. So the first step of lament is to simply build a better framework or rule for life, right? That not everything's happy. Like our entire lives, we can start to build that, 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 that framework. Uh, the second thing we can do is we can find, we need to find a creative expression that works for you. Um, we need to tap into the right side of your brain, okay? But then interweave the more logical left side of your brain. We can do this through journaling, uh, dancing, uh, right? We talked about various forms of art, um, you know, even, even art that you, even artwork you use with your hands, painting, you know, sculpting. Or you can even do it by enjoying art created by others. You see, God is, God is creative. I, um, I read a book uh, a number of years ago um, that was called Steal Like an Artist. 
Uh, fantastic little book, a little, little tiny short book. And in the end of the day, the author said, there is no such thing as an original thought. We all are influenced by other people. And so our art tends to be like, you know, you put up, you picture you're putting up uh, like post-it notes all over your room of all your different influences. So your art has been influenced by all those kinds of people, your writings or whatever it might be that you're doing. Now, this author didn't go all the way back, but I would say that that's because it's all going back to the originator, the creator that, and the sustainer of, of life. Because that creator, <laughs> if it's going to be a creator, it's creative, right? And we're made in that image. Thus, you do have creativity within you, even if you don't think so. Give yourself more credit. Plus, like I said, you can also use the creative work of others. I, I'll, I'll use music and, and, and poetry personally, you know, often. But the goal simply is to, and this is kind of the, where, we're, where we're landing here, the third step. Um, you got to make your implicit anguish explicit before God, right? Take what's inside here and be able to bust it out there. Bust it out there before, before God. Um, in a way that resonates with you, with who you are. Um, you got to take what's inside, take what's stuck in your throat and find a way to say it before God and then be able to say it before others. I think that that, that others part is important. We'll get to that at the very end. And so here's where we're going in the next week. We're going to actually engage in a spiritual practice of, of lament. We're going to do it together as a community, and we're going to follow nine steps. Nine steps that are laid out by, uh, I learned this at a retreat I went to by Jenna Perrine, um, but she uses the palms as a pattern for lament. And so instead of you know, creating my own, I'm going to use hers, um, hers uh, as, as well. What I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to identify these steps for you, I'm going to get Doug to come up here and play some music, wherever he's hiding out. Um, and, uh, and then what we'll do is in a few weeks, we'll actually do this practice. We'll have, um, we'll have time to actually enter this practice. But this is the part of the head so we can learn about where we're going to go into the heart in, in, in a couple weeks. Um, the first thing you have to do is simply, this is kind of like a, a pre-step, is you've got to identify what you want to lament, right? We, we, we started that process last week. I remember last week we went into uh, identifying an interior wound, something within you that, has, uh, that is hurting, something within you that, uh, needs, that needs healing. So that's like a pre-step. You've got to know what it is that you're going to lament before you actually lament, and then we can get to the, to, to the number one step on the outline. Um, you gotta, we're going to start by crying out to God. Open by addressing who it is that we're speaking to. If you notice in these psalms today in David, as far as where, Yahweh, are you going to keep hiding your face from me? Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So how will you address God, right? We talked about this a few weeks back, but there's, we've got many names for God. Our, our, our human-made names only go so far, but for each and one, every one of us, there may be a different, how are we going to address God within our hearts? with our laments. And then step number two, complaint. Remember, biblical or scriptural or psalm-like lament isn't simply complaint, but it does start with complaining that it is not the way that I want it to be. This is reality, but yet I don't want reality to be this way. And so simply bring it before the God you just addressed. What's the anger? What's the pain that you want to bring before God. 
right? We, I, we, this is kind of the identifying step of it. Express it creatively, right? We'll talk more about that later. Number three, affirmation of trust. You'll notice this all through the Psalms. But sometimes right in the middle of a lament, you'll see like a little hope break. <laughs> it's like the psalmist is saying, all right, I can't just keep pouring this out anymore. I need to take some, I need to look forward and hope for just a, a split second before I get back to it. So give your heart a break. And that's what we'll do in step number three. Um, when we do this, perhaps it'd be, you can think of a time that you remember God's presence was shining through in a time of darkness. You can, maybe it's as simple as just remembering the truths of, of who Christ is, right, in his gospel. But then step four is when we start to really, really dig in. Those first three were kind of to get us, you know, into it. Now we're going to dig deeper. We're going to really make a petition or a request. We're going to articulate our laments. We're going to put our laments to words or, or pictures or whatever creative outlet you, 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 you choose. This is the step where we start to look deeper at what we're grieving. And we ask the question, how would we like God to intervene if he could? Like, what is it that we would even want God to do if we want God to intervene? Um, step five. Additional arguments. <laughs> we have to add this in there because is there anything more you'd like to say? Remember, remember we're talking about lament as the prayer beneath our prayer. Right, oftentimes we'll be in st step four and we really don't even scratch the surface because it's uncomfortable, it hurts, it's painful to start really digging into those wounds and those laments. So we take time to specifically identify is there anything more we'd like to say? We can unpack it even deeper because remember, God wants all of ourselves. He wants our whole story, not just the surface profile picture level story. Number six. This is a strange one for a faith that has a litmus test of loving enemies, right? But perhaps this is a way we can start to learn to love our enemies by first raging against them. Not physically, but bring the whole spectrum of your heart before God. Remember, the divine is always a sacred space. I know some people don't like that, uh, like, like, like the safe space, you know, uh, kind of talk sometimes, but, but, but God is a safe space. God is a sacred space. God is a set-apart set holy space. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of our laments have some sort of an enemy. Either someone, right, that did something to us, um, our enemy could be an illness that we suffer with, or the illness of a loved one. It could be something in our life that, if we're honest, is whispering the lies of the accuser in our ear. David talked about his enemy whispering lies in his ear three times in that Psalms 13 in six verses. So name the enemy. Name the illness, the workspace, the system, or the person. Don't protect your words. Trust in God. Trust in God to be able to take the whole of what you tell him, even the rage that you have in your heart. Even Jesus was enraged when he saw what was happening in the temple courts and flipped over those temples. 
Anger isn't necessarily missing the mark or sinning, but rather what we do with that rage, what we do with that anger. Now it's time to turn the corner, okay? Uh, we've, uh, number seven, we've, we, we've traveled into the deepness, the shadow of death, as David will say in some of his psalms. Now we're going to turn in hope and faith and affirm our relationship with our Creator, even in the midst of doubt and anguish and pain and suffering. And you see, this isn't just a cheap trick, but rather it's a reminder of this faith container that we're lamenting in. That's what takes this from complaint to lament. And honestly, these are the steps that transform our laments. Reminding ourselves that we can't put the divine in our human made boxes. And so, number seven, uh, the assurance of being heard. Acknowledge that God is listening, that his presence is near. We say this all the time, right? Ruach, Numa, spirit, breath, wind, as close as the air we breathe. Acknowledge that. Feel that. Feel his presence as close as the air that you breathe. Acknowledge that this is not simply a one sided conversation. So often in our prayer lives, we just want to go, God, I'll tell you what, right? But this isn't a one-sided conversation. He's real. His presence is there with you. So take this time to rest in that assurance. Remind your heart of that divine breath that is coursing in and out of your lungs. Step number eight will promise to vow to praise. Affirm now your ongoing trust in, in, in God that no matter, this is what you'll see the psalmists and so many of their psalms this way, no matter how great the pain or sorrow may be, that God is still God. God is still good. The divine is still there within your soul. This is basically a step of perspective that brings us into number nine, another insurance, right? We do this each and every week. If you notice, we'll have a time where we lament together the ways we've missed the mark, the ways we've sinned. We'll have a time of confession, right? But then after the little quiet time we have in between there, you notice whoever the liturgist is, it's usually myself, you know, Pastor Steve, if he's here, or someone else filling in, will give us words of assurance, right? Where we end who God is, our pain in one hand, God's grace and hope in the other. That's what lament is. It's somehow holding that tension of pain and sorrow with hope and grace. Grateful that the divine architect of all we know isn't above our pain. And finally, there's, this is not a step that's on there. I'll say this is an unwritten step that I kind of, you know, uh, think is really important though. Uh, take what you've written out and draw it out or say it out loud. Um, I noticed last week when we were doing the interior wounds, uh, it, it, there was, it was fairly emotional in, in the room. Um, saw quite a few people who had um, you know, some very visible uh, 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 emotions. And I think it's important then when we're done with these exercises not to just keep these contemplations in our own hearts, but then to bring it before someone else that you trust. Speak it to people who you love that are in your life, even perhaps even maybe a, a, a therapist, if that's the easiest way for you to actually talk. Because when you dig deep into your core, you dig, dig deep into who we are, when we truly let the Spirit carry us into the wilderness and we get attacked by the accuser, the lies, the lies, the lies to say that our beloved identity is not good enough, there can be hurts that come up. And so it's important to then take 
those hurts, the, the, the stuff that comes up, and be able to talk to someone about it. If you don't have anyone else to talk to, come and talk to me. Okay? Talk to me. I don't want you just to be doing this on your own. So this is where we're going in a couple weeks where we'll actually engage in that practice. I'll lead us, I'll lead us through. Uh, it'll have some music in the middle of it. We did it three years ago. Um, and actually, we've done it even one more time since. Uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic, when uh, there was some... Uh, uh, there was a lot of tension in our country. I remember we did an entire service of practice of lament right, you know, two months into that, into that pandemic. So about two years ago now. So it's time to do it again. All right. So that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. Uh, but for today, let's uh, let's pray, and then we'll uh, join Christ at His table, um, in His body and His blood. Heavenly Father. <laughs> Christ Jesus and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit. We bring our laments, our sorrows, our fears, our doubts, our tears before you and we lay them down at the foot of your cross. That same cross where you experienced each and every one of these nine steps of lament yet followed it up with Father forgive them Father would you forgive us would you forgive us for the times when we've missed the mark and we haven't brought our whole selves before you We know there's nowhere we can go to flee from your presence, whether we're in the grave of Sheol or up into the heavens. And so God, help us notice that presence. Notice your presence and know that you are not above our pain. You are not above our sorrow. You are not above our tears. And through Christ, we have one who has walked with us in the wilderness. God, we pray all these things, all these things in your name. In Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts just as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.